You know, if you've not been here, and I know so many of you haven't in this hour, we've been focusing on one of the seven soul shifts. About five years ago, College Church uh, narrowed down seven fundamental changes that we want to see in believers' lives. We believe all of these came from the teachings of Jesus. All of them appear in the Old Testament. All of them appear in the epistles of Paul. So they're throughout the scripture. And uh, one of those seven soul shifts is the movement from sheep to shepherd. We who grew up learning to follow Jesus must learn sooner or later to lead like Jesus. We must go from being a sheep to being a shepherd. Now, we will never leave being a sheep, but in addition to being sheep who follow Jesus, we must become shepherds who lead like Jesus. We're focusing our thoughts on uh, John chapter 10, where Jesus talked about the good shepherd and said that he was the good shepherd. And so what we said was a couple of weeks ago, when we look at what the good shepherd does with the sheep, there are four marks that shepherds have. One is that they know their sheep. Jesus said, I know them and they know me. He calls them by name. The other thing they do is that they feed their sheep. It says he leads them out and they come in and go out and they find pasture. So when they're with the shepherd, he is leading them to places where they can eat. Other thing he does is he leads the sheep. It says he calls them by name and he takes them out. And after he has led them out, he goes on ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. It says later on in John chapter 10 that he protects the sheep. Jesus said there will come a time when the wolf will attack and the shepherd will defend the sheep by laying down his life for the sheep. The hired hand will run away. The shepherd will protect the sheep. Now what we discovered when we laid these things up here is that so much of the talk in culture today is about leadership when in fact what Jesus is calling us to become is shepherds. So all shepherds are leaders, but not all leaders are shepherds because leading is only one thing that shepherds do. So when you go to class tomorrow or you hear stuff and read stuff about becoming a better leader, that's great. Learn as much as you can, but understand it's only one of four things or marks or expressions that God is calling people to do as shepherds. And my premise is that people don't really want leaders, they want shepherds who know where they're going. But shepherds actually know people that they're leading. They actually develop people and grow people that they're responsible for. They are a safe place you can trust them. You can confide in them. You don't just have to follow their orders. When God makes us into shepherds, He balances the abilities that we have. I think this is what people want. This is what I want. I think this is what you want. So we said, in order to get started... We have to narrow our focus. 
We have to find a small circle of people. You see, what happened after the first week was when we threw these things on the board, a lot of us, and me included, sort of stepped back and kind of went, huh, that's a really good point. I probably need to develop a couple of these things. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and just be better at these four things. Well, the problem is that you can't get better until you narrow your focus. It's true that you can shepherd more people, some, but not until you shepherd some people more. So you have to find that circle of people that God is bringing into our lives and telling us, take them on. Know them. Feed them. Lead them. Protect them. You can shepherd them. Jesus said to Peter, take care of my sheep. Now, I can't just identify these people. I can't say, well, it's going to be you, 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 and you. I can be your leader by saying, I'm going to lead you, but only you can decide whether I'm your shepherd. So I have to look for a small circle of people in my life that God seems to be bringing into my life, asking me to take care of these people. They're not my people. I don't own them. They're God's people, but I see myself as somewhere in between God and His people, and I am here as a servant of God to take care of these people. Stop. When most of us go to work tomorrow, or to school tomorrow, or class tomorrow, we go back to our leagues or our community organizations, we will go back with a pretty narrow focus. We have a list of things that we have to get done. I have tests I've got to take and projects I've got to get ready for. I have a bunch of invoicing to do. I have two meetings in the morning. I've got to supervise this person in the afternoon. But as I tell you my agenda, you do, do you hear what's happening? I'm going to my job tomorrow with a pretty narrow focus. I'm thinking of what I have to get done, and I have to do it with excellence, and I have to, I have to lead well. But when a person decides to become a shepherd... We go to the same job with a lateral vision. We go to the place where we work or we go to the dorm or the classrooms and we don't see only the stuff that we have to get done. We see the people that are around us. Can I talk Dutch? Good. People are not there for you. You're there for them. You're not there to build the organization. You're not there to make money. You're not there to make things bigger. You're not there to raise the profile of the place where you work. God has placed you where he has put you at this time in your life for the people that are around you. They are not there to help you do your job. 
Your job is there to help you take care of them. That is a fundamentally different way of seeing our work. Do you see what I mean when I say we don't go to work this way, man? Man, I don't go to work this way, and I'm a preacher. How much harder for people that don't deal with churches all day long? We go to class. We go to our jobs looking around us, not just at what we have to get. You still have to get it done, or they'll fire you. But the reason you're doing it with excellence is for the people that are around you. That's the shepherd's mind. What does it mean, then, for us to take responsibility or accept responsibility? It means that I begin to pray intently every day for a group of people, maybe three in number, not more than 12 in number, that I believe God is bringing into my life. They may not be here for long. Maybe they'll be here six months and then move on. So probably half of the people that I shepherd at any given time are a long-term commitment and probably another half cycle in and out because life situations change and they move on. And if I'm not meeting them face-to-face, high-intensity conversations, then it's hard for me to say, I know where they're at right now. Really, I really know them. So half of my group may cycle in and out, but I have to find that group, and when I find them, I have to take the initiative to know them. Feed them. I can't just say, well, I'm here if they need something. I'll be a resource. If you ever need anything, no. I can be your Wikipedia, but I I can't be your shepherd uh, until I take the initiative to understand who you are, add value to your life, take you into places where you would not go on your own but are really good for you, and provide an environment where you can thrive and flourish and feel safe. What is the second discipline or practice? How do we get into doing this with intentionality and so it's sustainable? The second practice has to do with the shepherd's voice. Jesus says... He calls his sheep by name. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. One of the differences between being a leader and a shepherd is that a leader leads with his vision or with her position. But a shepherd leads with their voice. So a leader's authority is always rooted in something that is external to the leader. It's his vision, it's his position, and that's what they're following. 
But a shepherd's voice is not something external to him or her. It's who they are. It's what they've developed over time. It has to do with rapport and with resonance. Watch this. So as a pastor at College Church, I have a position as a leader, but I also have a voice. So when I leave, someone else can come in and take my place, and they can take over my position, and they can take over my vision, and they can change it, tweak it, but it will be my vision. But they can't take my voice. My voice is mine. If they want to lead College Church, all they got to do is boot me out. I'm not saying you should, but you could. And then replace me with someone and give them my position and say, this is your vision, now do it, because it's external to the leader himself. But if they're going to be your shepherd, they have to develop a voice. It's not transferable. You can learn it, but you can't replicate it. They have to find their voice, and you have to recognize it. Why? Because you just can't stand up and say, I'm your new shepherd. Like me. They'll tell you whether they're your shepherd, whether you're the shepherd or not. How do they do that? It's in verse 3 and 4. Look at it. It says, He calls, the watchman opens the gate for the shepherd, and the shepherd calls the sheep. They hear or listen to his voice, verse 3. And then in verse 4 it says, And when they hear his voice, they follow him. Why do they follow him? Because they know his voice. Let me say the obvious. People do not follow what they hear. They follow what they know. So you can stand up, and I can stand up, and I can shout out orders, and I can make people obey me, but I can't make them follow me until they know me. I can make them listen to me, but until they know me, they will not really follow me. Let me say another really obvious thing. Just because someone answers to you, doesn't mean they follow you. Just because you're supervising someone, you're over someone, doesn't mean you can shepherd someone. Because shepherding is not a position, it's a voice. They hear your voice and they follow it because they know your voice. Let me say another obvious thing. Only sheep can determine who they know. 
Isn't that true? I can't make somebody know me. I just make them hear me. They have to decide whether they know me. So in order to shepherd people, I have to stop thinking like a shepherd and start thinking like a sheep. Stop asking myself, am I knowing people? Am I feeding them? Am I leading them? Am I protecting them? I have to now flip roles or change roles and ask myself, not do I know them, but do they resonate with me? I'm not asking myself, am I feeding them? I'm asking myself, do they believe me? I'm not asking myself, am I leading them? I want to know, are they actually following me? John Maxwell makes a great statement. He says, he that leadeth when no one followeth is only taking a walk. (laughs) He just thinks he's the leader. I was in a meeting not long ago, and someone said, I'm the leader here. I said, no, you're not, or you wouldn't have had to make that clear. This group already knows who the leader is, and they're following him because they know him. So I'm not asking myself, am I going to protect them? I'm asking myself, do they feel safe? around me. Now, if this seems obvious to you, consider that we often practice the other. I will come off a platform every Sunday, and I will ask myself, did I make the message clear? Was it crystal clear? That's the wrong question. The question is, did they believe me? And that has as much to do with whether they know me as to how clear I was. So if I really believed this, I wouldn't ask myself, uh, how well did I lead that meeting yesterday? How well did I lead devotions? I would ask myself, what was the taste in their mouth when the meeting was over? Did it convey trustworthiness or something else? I have to learn to think like a sheep thinks because they are always asking themselves whether I'm good for them. What is the core then of this middle piece? This this sound of the shepherd's voice. When a sheep hears the sound of a shepherd's voice, what do they hear? Let me offer one word. They hear trust. when that guy stands in the field and he starts calling out those sheep, they in their minds 
are asking themselves hundreds of questions if sheep can ask themselves questions. Do I know that voice? Is it familiar to me? Is it good for me? Is it true? Does it take me to places that are good for me? Am I safe whenever I hear that voice? And if they believe that they can trust that voice, they will follow it. So ultimately, what we're trying to convey to people when God calls us to shepherd them is we're trying to build trust. You guys, we have to build trust. Ultimately, the sheep, if they were able to articulate it, I think, would be asking, does that guy love me or not? Who does that person love? If it's me, I'm in. If it's something or someone else, I'm not sure. A couple obvious things about trust. Can I say them? You'll know them. One, you cannot make somebody trust you. It doesn't matter if you're the leader. It doesn't matter if you're the parent or the grandparent. It doesn't matter if you're the resident director. It doesn't matter if you're the judge, for crying out loud. You cannot make somebody trust you. Everybody trusts or they don't trust at their own speed. And I think people are determining who they can trust and they don't trust. Man, I'm doing it all the time based on things that I cannot articulate. So I can't stand up here and say, if you just do these four things, you will be a trustworthy person because I'm only articulating the four things I know about. But in reality, trust is a plus minus. You're in a room with someone and they're giving off signals either with their eyes or their face or their tone of voice, they're not even aware they're saying some things, and you're just watching the way that they handle themselves, and you are subconsciously deciding all the time whether or not that person is more or less trustworthy. I wish it were science. It's messy, and you do it all the time. I mean, some of you are doing it now. I just don't know what you're looking at. Or I would fake it. But I can't. I can't even control it. And neither can you. So you... So the question is not, do people trust you? If I ask you that, or you ask me that, I will always say, yes. What do you think, I am a liar? Steve, do people trust you? Yes. Right? And there's people in the room right now, maybe, rolling their eyes. What? <laughs> Dude is clueless. Email me later. 
A better question is, what habits or patterns or behaviors in my life inspire trust or undermine trust? That's a better question. Because trust is not a yes or no proposition. Do you trust me? Yes or no. It's plus minus. It's more like on a scale of 1 to 10. And so if I'm a 6 or a 3 or an 8, what I want to know is not do I have a good score. I want to know is there anything that I'm doing that I think will inspire more trust? I need to do it in spades. And is there anything that I'm not doing Or anything that I'm doing that is undermining trust, I need to stop it and get it out of my life. Are you still with me so far? Then let's focus in. Just because you can't control trust, it doesn't mean you can do nothing. Trust, I think, comes, well, lots of things. I'm going to narrow it down to only things I see in the text. Do people trust you or not? Scale of 1 to 10. How do I raise the quotient of someone's trust? Because sheep trust or don't trust on things that they cannot articulate, we have to look at, I think, larger things things. Let me give you one of those. Agenda. I think if you put a bunch of people into a room and you're in charge of it, you are determining what we're all going to talk about. There will be a robust debate. You will propose ideas. Or if you take someone out on a date and you have a nice conversation and you keep it in certain and you enjoy yourself immensely or it's really awkward. I think the thing that is being assessed behind the eyes all the time is the person's agenda. What is that person's agenda? When you're in front of me and you're in charge of something, meeting aside... Why are you here? And why am I here? You say, well, there's lots of reasons. And you're right. There's tons of reasons. But there's only one agenda. What struck me as I read this story, you guys, is that outside of the Good Shepherd, there are four other characters There is a thief who climbs over the wall. There is a stranger who opens the gate and tries to get other sheep to follow him. There is a wolf who attacks them when they're vulnerable. And there is a hired hand who runs away when the wolf attacks. All four of these people, or things, have a different agenda than the sheep. All four of them are not there for the sheep. They're there for themselves. 
but it takes different forms. If you're the thief and you climb over the wall, you're there for the profit. You're there for the money. You're not there for the sheep. You're not there to lead them out. You're there to haul them out so you can sell them and make money. So you're there for the perks. You're there for the increase. You're there to get richer. It's a good thing the sheep are there or you couldn't get richer and grow your profits. If you are the stranger, you have no selfish thing. You're there for yourself. You're there because you like to call out. You're there because you feel alive when you're with sheep, but it's still about you. If you're there because you're a wolf, you're there to bring chaos and destruction. You're there to hurt people. You're there to scatter people that the shepherd is trying to pull together. It's not about the sheep. You only profit when the sheep bleeds. And if you're the hired hand, you're there for the corporation. You're there for the man. You're there for the rules. These aren't your sheep. They're his sheep. But as long as you're working, you're getting paid. Only one person you have to make happy. It's the man. It's not the sheep. This is right, people. You're looking at me like, huh? This is true. Come to Jesus moment. Why are you there? Why do you do what you do? Well, lots of reasons you say, sure, but there's only one agenda. And my thinking is, sheep can smell it a mile away. I had a conversation with my wife when this first hit me this week. Man, this was hard for me to take. It did some soul searching. I'm still not done. There's blood all over that office, man. I said to her, you know, honey, why do I pour myself in to messages as hard as I do? Why do I work so dang hard to get things right? Is it because... I want to get this truth in people's lives because I want them to grow. Or is it just because I like to hit home runs? I don't like to fail. I like to look good when a bunch of people are looking at me. Four or five years ago, transformation occurred in me as a preacher. Up to that point, I wanted to be a good communicator. Now I could care less. And that's evident to some of you. I could care less how good of a communicator I am. I care more about what I am actually communicating. You may not be a great communicator, but if you communicate great things and you have an altruistic, genuine heart, you cannot fail. It's not possible. You can have greater or lesser levels of success, but you cannot fail because the thing itself is true. You may say that you lead meetings, but why do you really lead meetings? Why are you really in charge? Is it because you like to take people to new places where they can thrive and flourish and grow, or is it just because you like to be in charge? You can't follow well, so you better lead. 
You've got a better idea. You've got a vision to make the organization great. You say, where are you going? Sheep can smell that a mile away. When people think that you are there for the organization, for the profit, for the championship, for the wins, to make things bigger because you want to keep the rules, they will pull back. They should. They should. But when people believe, I'm here for you, that's my agenda. How do you know agenda? It leaks, man. It just leaks. Whenever you disagree with me, you'll see my agenda. Whenever somebody gives me a compliment and there's other staff around, you'll see my agenda. If it's me, I'll sit there and drink it wholesale. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you, I work very hard. Thank you very much. But if I consistently deflect the praise onto other people, not because I'm trying to fake humility, but because I deeply believe other people are, in fact, the reason for success. Yes. If I truly believe that, I can't fake it, and they'll smell it. Okay, it's quiet in here. Let me give you another word that I think comes from the text. It's the word character. People are always assessing whether or not we're buying what we're selling. They want to know how true and genuine and real we are. And you can't fake being real. I think specifically, if I'm reading this right, they're looking for two things. They're asking themselves two questions. One of them is, is it true? And the other one is, is it good? Jesus said, listen to it, the watchman opens the gate, he calls his sheep by name, and they follow him because they know his voice. And after he has called out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them. He leads them, and they follow him. In other words, he never takes them to a place he is not going himself. <laughs> he never says, there's the fields, have at it. He actually leads them into the place he is trying to get people to go. There's a consistency in his book, The Speed of Trust. Stephen Covey calls it congruency. There's a congruency between what he says and what he preaches and what he's actually living out in his own life. Everything he wants from them, he wants from himself. And he is open and honest and will tell you, I am not there yet, but I am on my way. And when people see that, they say, man, you don't have to be great. You just have to want it. 
as much as you want it for me. And when I see it in you, I will follow you anywhere. They're looking for truth. Is the person consistent with what they say and what they call for in everyone else? And are they good? When he leads them out, they find pasture. They flourish. I think people are always asking themselves, when I do what you want me to do, am I better for it? Really? Or are you better for it? Is it just that you like me more? Or have I learned by following you over time? I like me more. <laughs> My life is bigger. It's easier. It's more beautiful. Because what you say is true. I will follow you. Last word. I put the word commitment. I think people, when they decide whether or not they can trust us, are always asking themselves subconsciously, how committed is this person to me? How much allegiance does this person have for me? I mean, this one who keeps calling me to be committed to her, how committed is she to me? There's two different ways to know it in the text. One is when they wander off, you'll find out. When somebody fails or somebody strays or somebody underperforms and the rest of the team is doing amazing and this person is just over off failing miserably, they'll find out whether you're there for them or whether you're there for you. They'll know that then. Jesus said in Luke chapter 15, there was a good shepherd had a hundred sheep. One of them started to wander off. The good shepherd, he said, left the 99 in a wide open field. And what did he do? Went off after the one that was straying. From that day forward, at least one sheep knew who the shepherd was. Because when push came to shove, he opted for the sheep and not for himself. That is the moment where the shepherd's agenda and character became obvious. It's when he came after me. I'll follow him anywhere. I've got shepherds in my life who have come after me when I strayed. Not always into sin, though sometimes. Just into error, into foolishness, into extravagance. And they left the safe confines of the team that was following them, and they came out and they found me. They called me at midnight 
they drove miles to see me. And when they showed up in my door, I got a whole new perspective of their commitment. I followed them anywhere. The other time that um, the shepherd becomes obvious is when the wolf attacks. There will come a time in everyone's life where the wolf attacks. Evil, chaos, bedlam will break out in our lives. People will come after us. You'll be busting your... mm, And they will attack you and insult you. A shepherd will defend you. A shepherd will lay down their own life to save yours. And when they do it, that's when you know who the shepherd is. I'm not sure about this, but I think sheep know even before the wolf attacks, whether or not you're committed to them. You know how they know it? By watching you lay down little things before you have to lay down big things. They're asking themselves, if this person in my life will not lay down an argument in a debate, how will they ever lay down their life? If they will not lay down the praise and the glory when they get it, if they will not share the power and the glory, how will they ever share their blood? If they won't defend me in a meeting, how will they ever defend me against an enemy? And the answer is, they won't. And they know it long before the wolf attacks. And so they know the people who will do that. And those are the ones they are following to this very hour. So the shepherd is always looking for ways to practice laying down little things. Getting herself ready for the day when hell breaks loose. And they got to lay down the big thing. When the profits go down and the money is gone, they want to know who you'll lay off first. They already know who you'll lay off first. They already know. They've been watching you for a while. And when you consistently give away power and you give away authority and you let them share the weight of things, when you consistently support them, develop them even though they struggle, they believe you will share the losses as well. You know, you guys, Time for a come to Jesus. Can I? I got halfway through this message. And I was, I was spending a lot of time looking at myself. And, and I was asking myself, what kind of a leader am I? I was doing what you're probably doing right now. You're probably saying to yourself, well, yeah, I mean, what really is my agenda? And, and what really is, you know, is my character? Am I, am I getting enough chances to show my character? And, and how do I prove to them that I'm really committed to them? Then I had to come to Jesus. 
what, what occurred to me was that everyone in this room, every single soul looking at me right now is already following something. You're following something. You know what you're following? What you know. You're already following the person, the vice, the entity, the idea. You are already following something or someone that you believe is adding value to your life. Or you wouldn't follow them. You believe that that is a better life. Or you wouldn't follow it. You believe that that's safe. Or you wouldn't do it. So when Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. He was not saying, prove your love by obeying me. He was saying, when you love me, you will follow what you know. When you love me, you will obey me. There's not a single vice that we hold on to this morning that we would hold on to if we truly believed Jesus was right about that vice. But we don't sometimes honestly believe it, now do we? This is church, and we will say, oh, we trust Jesus. It's a sin not to. But the truth is, we don't always trust Jesus because the stuff that we follow ain't Jesus. It's other things. So I hear this voice this week saying, Steve, do you know me? Because if you knew me, you'd follow me. If you knew how right I was, and you knew how much I loved you, you'd follow me. You'd go anywhere for me. You wouldn't argue. And I ask you this morning, do you find yourself stuck on things you wish you could get over? Do you find yourself doing things again and again and maybe you've said to yourself, this is a problem with discipline. Maybe, well, it is. But it might be a problem with trust. It might be a problem with trust. Do you truly, truly, truly think Jesus is right? Do you think he's right? Do you think he knows where he's going? Do you think he's safe? Follow him, church. Only you can decide that, and you'll get there at your own speed. But my prayer for the second half of this week has been for you and for me that we would be better sheep. We cannot shepherd till we're better sheep.